Christopher Sabatini, the Senior Director of the America Society Council of the Americas, joins us from his office in New York. Welcome to Latin Pulse. Well, thank you, uh, Rick. Thank you very much. I'm happy to be here. We want to talk to you about the outcome of the Venezuelan elections. Very close election, more closely watched than, than I think the, the Venezuelans expected, and, and a closer election than expected. Uh, what do you see coming out of this election? Well, I, you know, I think anything uh, can happen. I think it was a surprise, uh, I think even to the opposition. Um, it was, uh, you know, I think it demonstrates uh, perhaps the, the uh, quicker-than-expected evaporation of uh, the warm glow of Chavez's um, charisma over his air. Um, I think it also shows fundamentally the the pragmatism of the Venezuelan voters, which uh, many people had known. I mean, for Chavez, there was the charismatic factor, but he also represented sort of the very legitimate sense of economic frustration and anger um, that had preceded his uh, 14 years in power. And so, you know, I think we're seeing a much more um, issue-based voter, because there are a lot of issues that Venezuela confronts now, economic and, and um, social as well, rising levels of violence that make Caracas one of the murder capitals of the world. Um, so what will happen? I think, you know, I, I think you're seeing, going to see two things. In, in, I'll start first in, in, in actually in, in the long term or medium term, is that, uh, you know, we're going to really see Maduro tested as a leader, tested in two ways. First, in um, his level of pragmatism, um, you know, in most electoral or most democracies, this would be seen as a, as a mandate for a leader to have to reach out across the aisle and uh, govern in a more consensus-oriented fashion to recognize the uh, legitimacy and popularity of, of the other side. Um, that may happen. I, I'm not discounting that. Um, and that would certainly take real leadership, given the 14 years of uh, vitriol that has um, really been primarily driven by the Chavez government, but obviously the opposition has, has uh, its fair share of, of uh, let's say, anti-democratic rhetoric and, and sentiment. Um, the, uh, and then on the other side, we're going to see what he's, how he's going to be able to manage his own party. Uh, many people saw this as basically Maduro's election was a done deal. Uh, this is going to really cast in doubt his ability to carry on the Chavez mantle. And so now all those divisions that people say exist, uh, the fractions within, the, uh, within Chavismo, are going to be competing for this now. And uh, so it's going to be really Maduro's, you know, because he's going to face some very difficult uh, decisions and policies on the economic front, probably rolling back a number of uh, a lot of public sector spending, people feeling the bite of the currency devaluations that have occurred over the last year in the last couple months, rather. Um, and within that is how is he going to deal within his own party, uh, given that he was really just, uh, you know, sort of named by Chavez and then barely squeaked through an election. So I think that's going to be um, the real deciding factor here. I want to get back to the economics, but last week you sponsored a, a forum that talked about these things. Last week, what wasn't on the table was a recount in this election. The Organization of American States, OAS, has volunteered to help with that. Uh, are we going to see a recount, do you think? And um, likely Maduro will be confirmed then? I don't know. I think I, I would actually like to see one, not because uh, necessarily would prove the election was stolen. I think by most uh, most people's accounts, um, the, uh, you know, the electoral, electoral process, counting process was um, uh, fairly uh, mechanical and, and, and uh, sophisticated. Um, but the question really is, uh, you know, you need in these situations to restore some level of trust. 
And there's, you know, through a history of 14 years of, of various electoral infractions, most of them occurring in the pre-electoral uh, process of use of public funds, coercion of voters, um, uh, abuse of public media for campaigning. Um, there has this been accumulated sense of distrust that is really uh, quite troubling. In elections, you know, if if properly managed, if properly overseen, can serve to restore some of that trust and get a country uh, back together. But if not, um, if if you know the the government uh, fails to meet the opposition's demands, or or it does so in a half-hearted way without having any sense of, of uh, international support that can serve as a broker, um, it could really break down. Uh, that would be a shame, uh, because as we've seen over the last 14 years, this is a deeply polarized society. It's polarized not just by the rhetoric that I mentioned before, but also by the uh, almost systematic disarticulation of institutions that can mediate these conflicts, whether it's judiciary, whether it's on local governments, whether it's even the police. Um, you know, the Chavez government tried to create a Bolivarian police force that really overlay a lot of the uh, different uh, former uh, police offices and uh, forces. So there, there's a lot of suspicion, a lot of distrust, I think, you know, trying to demonstrate that this election was, was um, uh, the results are fair, uh, would, it would, be, would, I think, go a long way to helping sort of put the country back uh, on a much more stable path. Let me go back to economics. Uh, there's some fear that there will be further nationalizations under a Maduro government. In some ways, he campaigned against Polar, the largest food distributor, as much as he campaigned against Capriles during this particular um, short, quick, snap election. Um, what are your feelings about those potentials? You know, I think, again, this is going to boil down to uh, what sort of, of uh, leader Maduro will be. Um, we, uh, if, I think, you know, he may, especially in a, well, again, he faces two, two choices. One is, again, to reach out across the aisle, try to heal the wounds and try to pursue a much less aggressive polarizing policy than Hugo Chavez. The other is sort of, uh, uh, sort of, uh, hewing to the uh, party's, uh, more radical elements and, uh, catering to them. And that would be the more, the policy of, of nationalization. If I were a betting man, and I'm not, Rick, but if I were a betting man, I would say um, the tendency is going to go more in that direction. Um, now, he is, of course, going to confront a number of economic realities. As I mentioned, uh, some of them will be um, inflation, which is running at 30%. Uh, we're looking at a um, fiscal deficit that approaches 20% of GDP. Um, clearly, uh, the government's got to scale back some of its spending and nationalizing industry is not the best way to do that. But by the same token, um, as the country experiences a number of shortages, uh, in, particularly in food areas and also in electricity, blackouts have become a common phenomenon now in, in um, Caracas. The, um, as that happens, you know, the temp temptation will be to go for that easy, quick solution to pick an enemy and to nationalize uh, food and beverage companies and the like and to blame it on, uh, on you know, uh, rapacious capitalists or the bourgeoisie, uh, whatever sort of rhetorical device they want to have. And I think that will have to it'll, it'll really come down to um, you know, whether he has the capacity, the will, and the backing to take difficult economic decisions or go for an easy route that will ultimately wreak more havoc on the economy um, but would probably score him a few points within his own party. The question that I hear is how is a country on top of the world's largest oil reserves in this particular economic state? <laughs> um, well, I, you know, and that I think there's a longer history that goes beyond Hugo Chavez. I mean, the first is, is 
is the, the curse of, of oil itself. Uh, one of uh, Venezuelan politicians once referred to oil as the devil's excrement. And indeed, it's been a curse. Um, you know, it, with all the problems of Dutch disease, you know, overvalued currency that came with it, the, and with that, the sort of the, the uh, contraction of other forms of economic activity uh, within Venezuela, um, the corruption, the um, excessive sort of state-centric focus of development. Uh, this predates Chavez. Um, and with it, sort of the, you know, sort of the, the, the country being a victim or hostage to even the, the vicissitudes of the um, uh, global markets when it comes to oil, um, you know, that's, that's how that happens. And unfortunately, you know, when oil was discovered and exploited in the 60s and 70s primarily, the, um, you know, Venezuela did not do, the Venezuelan government did not do enough to, to diversify its economy, to protect um, certain areas of its economy, and to make sure that it didn't become an oil-dependent situation. Now, that brings us up to, to uh, Hugo Chavez, who campaigned on, on you know, the, the alleged uh, 80% poverty rating in Venezuela, but it captured a very sense of frustration and, and a fascination with the halcyon days of the past, when everything seemed to be going well, and Venezuela uh, became sort of a, a social with being the nouveau riche country of, of the region, um, and, and then what happened in the next 14 years were just was just serious uh, economic mismanagement. Um, you had a, basically a trillion dollar windfall from oil prices that went from around ten dollars a barrel to over 120 dollars a barrel uh, when Chavez was elected, and, and now they're back around 100 dollars. Um, you know that those were went on to subsidize basically just straight up patronage-based programs, which were not foreign. I mean many, that's what many uh, past governments had done uh, before. Um, but at the same time, it sort of, again, as I mentioned, deinstitutionalized much of the Venezuelan state. It broke into the coffers of the PDVSA, um, and which became sort of essentially public funds. It, it undermined the independence of the central bank and used those. So that these traditional levers of, of economic policymaking that provide some break on, on political use of uh, economic funds and revenues uh, were broken. And uh, what you're looking at now is just a whole series of bottlenecks in the economy and a very um, uh, perverse uh, way of, and an increase, even in greater uh, dependence on oil. I mean, now about 90% of the, of the country's exports are based on oil. So it's, it is a very, very tenuous and difficult situation. And add to that the, um, the, the, the nationalizations that uh, former President Chavez uh, conducted that led to a series of bottlenecks and shortages in areas as, such as foodstuffs, um, coming not only from production within Venezuela, but the ability of the country to import uh, foodstuffs because of uh, nationalization of a port that now can only really handle one ship at a time. It is a, uh, it is a very, um, I would say it's an economic basket case. Coming out of the election, the BBC is reporting that uh, Maduro pulled Bill Richardson aside and said he, he wants to mend fences with the United States. Is, is this a serious offer? We don't know. I would say my reading of that is that it happened uh, before the actual results were announced. So I think that actually adds a little bit of caution to that. Um, yeah, Maduro was the foreign minister, and he, unlike his predecessor, Hugo Chavez, has spent a little bit more time in diplomatic circles, um, spent a little more time rubbing elbows with, with um, uh, pragmatic uh, foreign policy leaders and recognizing sort of the, the world of negotiation rather than grandstanding, which was something Hugo Chavez did very well. Um, we'll have to see. I think uh, with the closeness of the election, that could become a little sharper. I, I think that um, 
And again, he's going to confront a number of people um, within his party and, and, and sort of on the street, effectively, um, a lot of the, the um, sort of Bolivarian uh, grassroots organizations that have been created and mobilized by um, the PSUV, the governing party, um, a lot of them are basically sort of they see themselves as, as victims of, of, anti, of, of American imperialism and American capitalism, and they may not take kindly to seeing um, uh, a, a new uh, president-elect, probably, a Maduro, cozying up to, to uh, the Colossus from the North. Having said that, I, I think it, it is very much in Venezuela's interest. I mean, Venezuela, 40% of Venezuelan oil exports go to the United States. Um, we are a major source of, of uh, their uh, revenue and hard currency, and um, it's, it will be interesting to see if, if, you know, again, for pragmatic reasons, this government tries to restore some relations, because our, depend, our dependence, meaning the United States' dependence on Venezuela and oil, has declined since Chavez was elected. We only get about a million barrels of oil a day from, uh, from Venezuela now, and those can be fairly easily replaced. So um, they're in a much more delicate position than they used to be, but on the other hand, as we saw, uh, just hours before uh, Maduro announced uh, that Chavez had passed, uh, he kicked out two um, two military attaches and blamed the United States uh, for potentially causing the cancer. That's that, you know, those, <laughs> those sorts of whether those came from just an, an effort to distract or sort of a deep-seated anti-gringoism, I don't know. But you know, that's if it's the latter, um, then that's going to be difficult to overcome, even if he does want closer relations. Thank you. Dr. Christopher Sabatini of the America Society, Council of the Americas, our guest today on Latin Pulse. Thank you, Rick.